Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. This evening, I'm going to be talking about following Jesus. Uh, recently, I finished the book of Genesis, and I'm going to be beginning Exodus. But I'd like to take a couple of evenings and speak about a couple of other things. At the end of um, this past year, and at the beginning of 2016, I reflected on my year, and I wondered, and I asked God if there was anything I needed to focus on um, for this year. And after a while, what kept coming back to me over and over again was two things, following Jesus and walking in the Spirit. And you might think, well, Bill, don't you think you're kind of past that now? Is that something you really need to focus on? And the answer is no, but... Yeah. No, because I wasn't sure that I'd be learning anything new, although if I did, that would be wonderful. But yes, because um, it's often a good idea to go back to basics, and it's a good idea to go back and to basics when you go from one phase of life to another. And I've done that. I, I'm doing things now here in our church that I wasn't doing five years ago. Uh, at my work, I'm still at the same job, and I love the people I work with, and I love what I do. I actually make sure that large quantities of glue get from point A to point B. And um, my customers make envelopes and boxes. And sometimes, if things don't go the way they're supposed to, the customer doesn't get their glue and they can't make boxes and that's a disaster, people go home. Or if something goes wrong, then maybe the boxes don't stay closed. And these are bad things. Um, but it seems at work, it, it's going, everything's going faster and faster and faster and it's hard to keep up. And at home, my, my young daughter's now a teenager. She's gonna be turning 15. The things that I'm doing now at home are different than they were five years ago. My concern became that, that maybe I was getting so involved in activity that I wasn't really taking time to follow Jesus. And so the things I want to focus on for this year are things that I hope will make you know, me a better follower of Jesus, but also a better husband, a better employee and co-worker and friend, a better husband, a better father, um, and a better servant here. So that's my intent. Now I have this clicker. Let's see if it's clicking, and it's not. Okay. Should have had us pray for it, but instead we'll just have to do it old school. Um, before I looked into scripture, I looked on the internet just to see how people talked about following Jesus. And um, 
I didn't do this as part of serious research, and I don't recommend doing it as part of, of serious research because um, you go to a website, you, you get one opinion, you go somewhere else, you get another. You get um, some solid Christian websites that I went to that I was familiar with, but then you also get the Church of Latter-day Saints, you get um, people who, aren't, who deny the, um, that Jesus was fully God and fully man and deny the authority of the scriptures. So it's not something that I recommend uh, unless you're going to a source that you already know about. Um, but what, after satisfying my curiosity, I decided to look into scripture about following Jesus. I decided that I would go and look at the Gospels, okay? And that almost every scripture that I'm going to refer to tonight is from a gospel. And I found that there were two categories when it came to following Jesus. One was where groups of people would follow Jesus, and the other was where people were talking about following Jesus. There was some sort of discussion happening, and usually Jesus himself was part of that discussion. And as we're going along, I hope to bring some takeaways that I have that hopefully will help you. And if this um, encourages you to maybe not, maybe you don't need to look at following Jesus, but maybe you'd, look, you'd like to look at something else, I hope that that happens. Or if you are interested also like me in maybe following Jesus a little more this year, I hope that this helps you with a start. I'm going to be reading some passages here and then um, speaking a little bit about the background. Okay. Matthew 4, 25. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. And they started following him after he healed a lot of people. So that was the context here. We go to Matthew 8, 1. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And again, he was healing a lot of people. Matthew 12:15. When Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. And it wasn't after he healed a lot of people, he only healed one person, but he did it on the Sabbath, and he did it in the presence of religious leaders who were opposed to him, who had taken the laws of Moses, and Pastor Joe had mentioned recently there were a little over 600 of them, and added some more rules to sort of make sure you knew you were following the original rules, and they felt that healing on the Sabbath was work, and you couldn't do work on the Sabbath. So Jesus healed the person and had a discussion publicly with the Jewish leaders and he faced them down and the people responded by wanting to be healed whether it was on the Sabbath day or not. Matthew 14:13 when Jesus heard it he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it they followed him on foot from the cities. And here, he didn't heal anybody, but he did feed uh, 
5,000 people. And finally, Matthew 19.2, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. And this happened after he healed one person, but he did so very publicly, and it was a boy who had symptoms that we might associate with epilepsy. He would fall in seizures, and when he was in a seizure, he was oblivious to anything around him, so it, sa- it was said in the scripture that he, he, would fall, he could fall in the fire, and he'd be oblivious to the fire, and people would have to pull him out of, out of the fire, and Jesus healed this person. And in response to that, people came um, because they wanted to be healed by Jesus. Um, Now, is there anything wrong with wanting to be healed? No, not at all. Is there anything wrong with wanting to be fed? No, not at all. If you open up a church bulletin, any church bulletin, any week here at our church, we are praying for many people who are suffering from illness. We are also praying for people who um, are unemployed and need jobs or or are struggling financially. Um, As a church, uh, we have ministries that on a regular basis help feed people. And then in response to um, events like Hurricane Sandy um, would would help to feed people during, um, in response to that, after that. So these are things we care about, but the people were following Jesus to get something from him. And if they weren't going to get from him what they wanted, they weren't going to follow him anymore. And uh, I thought about this. Actually, I thought about it quite a bit, what my takeaway would be there. Well, I wonder what my life would be like in the future if my health failed and I started to struggle would my faith wane I wondered what if I lost my job and economically things were much more difficult for me how would I manage that Um, there are people who become Christians and then when their temporal circumstances change and they don't seem to get better they 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 give up and they go follow something else. There's even a theology that's based on God wanting us healthy and wanting us wealthy and wanting us successful. And people who adhere to this, if they're not healthy, wealthy, and successful, do they look for something else? Would that happen to me? I I mean, I'd like to think it wouldn't happen, but I I wondered about it and, and... you know, I, I pray that if I do come into a situation like that, that I will still follow, that I will still want to follow Jesus. So that was my takeaway there. That's one set of scripture. Another set of scriptures has to do with um, discussing following. And um, on Monday, I was driving and I was listening to the CD of Pastor Joe's sermon from Sunday. And he mentions a couple of the stories that I'm going to reference here. I decided to leave them in because if God wanted Pastor Joe to mention them and he wanted me to mention them, uh, he must want the church to hear them. So I'm going to share them with you now. And if you've heard this on Sunday, I'm sorry. 
there must be a good reason. Matthew 19, 19 to 22, this is the story of the rich young ruler. Now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said to him, why do you call me good? There is no one is good but one that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go, sell all you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. And when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Jesus had pointed out something that he loved more than he loved God. And then Luke 9, 57 to 62. Now as it happened, they journeyed on the road and someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, follow me. And he said, but Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me go first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one after having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So does this mean that God doesn't want me to take care of my family? Doesn't want me to have a funeral for my parents? That wealth is a bad thing? No. But in each case, and Pastor Joe uh, referred to this also on Sunday, uh, Jesus pointed out something that they loved more than they loved him. And Jesus also said some things that were difficult. You know, if there was a guidebook of how to get many followers, there was there, if there was a chapter that said, okay, here are some things not to say to people if you want them to follow you. It's like Jesus took that chapter and he said, well, you know what, I'm going to read these anyway. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, 
in our society, we have, we have, cro well, we have crosses here. And uh, certainly people own crosses that are made of gold, and there are different sculptures that are crosses. We have crosses everywhere, and that's because we live here in our world in 2016. Um, but in the Roman Empire, it was a different kind of world. So y it's possible that you could walk for a few miles, and every 50 feet, there's a cross, and there's a person on that cross, and the person might be living, might be dead, there's a person on that cross, and you could walk, and you could kind of, like, try not to look. Try not to look. But you'd still hear them. And if you tried to, like, do this, you know, sort of like blinders and plug ears at the same time, you could still smell. Crucifixion was a horrible thing. It wasn't spoken of. Um, lightly in society, and here Jesus um, makes a reference to people at a time where they did not have a category for Jesus and the cross at the same place at the same time. We do. They didn't. They had Jesus as a prophet. They had Jesus as a Messiah who was going to come and save Israel from the Romans. Nothing to do with crucifixion. So it's no wonder that there were some people that stopped following him at this point or stopped following him when he said other things along the way, things that if you wanted to have a lot of followers, you shouldn't say. In Matthew seven thirteen and 14, Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. But narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. And don't we live in an age where if people believe in God at all, uh, many will believe, and I've heard people say it, and I've certainly seen it, and I've read it, that they will say there are many ways to God. So we have a wide road that people are happily walking upon. And here Jesus is saying, no, there's not a wide road. And in Rome, there was a wide road. They thought it was perfectly acceptable if they conquered a people, um, they would take some of their gods and put them into their pantheon, and in return, they would want the people to sort of recognize some of their gods or at least, you know, every now and again say a prayer to the emperor, okay? And for the most part, people did that, except for Jews and then later Christians. So that was the kind of society that, that, that he, he was familiar with, I mean, he was living in Israel where people didn't do that, but they were certainly aware of um, Romans who did. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So here Jesus is not only saying that there's a narrow path to get to God, but that, that it actually comes through him and that he's the only way. So... He was exclusive, and his followers, who are, uh, number us today, um, are also in that same way exclusive, and we have the disapproval of many in society for being so daring to be so exclusive that there's only one way to, um, to God, and that is through Jesus. And then worse, that Jesus is God. That's something else. 
John 10, 9 to 11, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So on the one hand, again, he's saying, I'm the door, but he's also offering something, life more abundantly. Now, does life more abundantly have to guarantee health? Does it have to guarantee wealth? Does it have to guarantee success? Does it have to guarantee prosperity? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. And is it possible that we can have life more abundantly when at the same time we, uh, he, we're being asked to deny ourselves as followers, take up a cross and follow him? Well, they can exist at the same time. Now, I say this knowing that uh, I myself have not had to really suffer for my faith and that most of the people I know have not really had to suffer uh, for our faith in the way that people suffer in other parts of the world, okay, where people um, are being killed because they're Christians or their daughters are being taken from them because they are Christians. But what if it were to happen that I was called to do that? What if I, I, I later on I'm in a place in time where being a Christian is a really, really bad thing? Am I willing to do that? Am I willing to serve? Am I willing to follow Jesus? I'd like to think I would. But in, in order to, to, I guess, progress, I want to know what I can do now to follow Jesus. And, and I'll start to cover that uh, a little bit later. John 10, 27 to 30. Now here... Jesus is speaking to uh, Jewish leaders who are his opponents, okay? But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And after that, um, some people did try to kill him because they considered it blasphemy to say, I and my Father are one, because he was saying he was God. He was saying that, and they knew he was saying that. So all of these scriptures are not directly related to following Jesus, but they are related. And as I was reading about following Jesus, these scriptures came up. Because, well, how do you follow? Well, you follow in, in, in only one way. And I'm comfortable with that way. I've been a Christian since I was a child, so that's okay. <laughs> but still, I wanted to go through the exercise of going through these scriptures again. And I'm okay with being a sheep. Okay. So, there are some more related scriptures that I came across that I'm going to share with you here. John three sixteen to 18, 
where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, who is sort of a, sort of a reverend doctor of theology. And, and during this discussion that he had with Nicodemus, he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So God loved us before we loved him. Matthew eleven twenty-seven to 29, come to me, all who... All of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So even though we're being asked to deny ourselves, pick up a cross and follow, at the same time, we're being promised abundant life and that the yoke, whatever yoke we're going to have from Jesus is an easy one, and the burden is light. And that we will find rest for our souls. And I've been a Christian for 45 years, and I've found that um, in following Jesus, I found rest for my soul. I found that I don't worry about things at all. I don't even think about some things that worry other people, um, which is wonderful in one way, and it's kind of bad in another way because it can make me insensitive. I have to remember to be sensitive. Um, but there are some things I I don't worry about what happens to me if I die. I can't remember having worried about that. And and even when there were a couple things, like when I had this heart issue, and I had to wear one of these harnesses, and and you had the the sticky things all over the place, and you couldn't shower for three days, and you had to wear it. I had one of those. And I didn't know it was going to It could have been nothing, and it could have been something. They could have said, well, you need a new heart. I didn't know. As it turned out, it was nothing. And then I talked to my mom, and she goes, oh, yeah, I have that too. But I had to think about it. I had to go through the process of, well, what if this is something? How do I feel about that? Um, thank God. John fourteen twenty three and 24. Jesus answered and said to them, if anyone loves me, He will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Okay, So following Jesus has something to do with loving Jesus, and, and he defines that by keeping his word. So I could be a person who says, well, I just love Jesus. I love him. But if I'm oblivious to what his commands are and I don't, I'm, don't have any interest at all in keeping them, then Jesus knows that I don't love him, if that were true. Okay. On the other hand, we like to keep rules sometimes. Some of us do. Some of us like to break rules. Other people like to keep rules. And people who like to keep rules sometimes feel good about themselves because they're keeping the rules, right? Other times, 
that might look down on somebody who's not keeping the rules. Either failing to keep the rules as well as I am keeping the rules, or maybe choosing not to follow the rules at all. So it's possible to go and see what Jesus said, what his commandments were, and to try to keep them and do it the wrong way. It's possible to do the right thing the wrong way. I know because I'm really good at that. I'm, and now, I'm not necessarily with the rule thing because my problems are I'd have trouble keeping the rules, but I could maybe have something to say that I'm right, but I could just say it in such a wrong way and with such a wrong spirit that I just do a lot more damage than if I'd said the wrong thing. So, And in Jewish society at that time, they had people who were super duper interested in keeping those over 600 laws and that they'd had interpretations on what you needed to do to make absolutely positively sure that you're keeping the law so that the original 600-odd laws became thousands and thousands and thousands. And, and who remembers all that stuff? Well, you've got to be a scribe to remember all that stuff. You've got to be a Pharisee to know how to keep that stuff, right? And Jesus spoke to them, and he said in Matthew 23, 23 to 24, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. So it's possible in the wanting to keep the rules to miss the whole point of the rules. In the same way, as the Jewish leaders were looking for Jesus to heal on the Sabbath because somehow they got to a point to where healing on the Sabbath, a wonderful thing, a divine thing, is somehow wrong to do on the Sabbath because it's work. Why is it work? Well, because they decided it was work. So I, I don't want to keep rules to keep rules. I don't think anybody here wants to keep rules to keep rules. And, and I'm, I've inserted a, a passage. It's, it's the only one that's not from the Gospels. And, and it, it certainly picks up with John 3.16 where it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, which infers that God loved us first. But here, 1 John 4.19 says, We love him because he first loved us. And we certainly have songs about that. I mean, there's a children's song. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Exactly. Because he first loved us. So me wanting to follow Jesus, me wanting to look and see what his commandments are, and wanting to show Jesus that I loved him by keeping him, and even if that means saying, God, I'm having trouble keeping these commandments here. Please help me to do a better job of it. Or, or Lord, I know that there were some, I had an opportunity to obey commandment, some commandments and show that I loved you today and I failed. Uh, please forgive me. 
Thank you for the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank you that my sins are paid for. But I do confess to you um, that I failed in this area. I found actually that when I've been reviewing this whole subject, that I see that in following Jesus, I may have opportunity to confess some things. Now, perhaps I may find that I love some things more than I should. And what do I do? Now, I know myself, one thing that I am good at doing is not kind of not owning up, just sort of like trying to forget it. Now, there might be some other people like that too. You just sort of sweep it under the rug. I'll sweep it under the rug, and I'll just try to keep going and try to forget that it's there and say, well, you know, maybe I'll deal with it. I don't know. Is it really a problem? When what I really need to do is to, is to just say to God, you know, this thing, I love this thing. I love this thing more than I should. It's not a bad thing, but because I love it so much, it is a bad thing because it's getting in the way of following you. And I confess that. And this is how I feel. Help me. And maybe that'll be enough. Or maybe I'll need to talk to somebody else and get some help with it if I need to. So in following Jesus and reading about following Jesus and sort of going through some of these passages, I'm seeing that um, I have the opportunity to maybe learn and grow. I have the opportunity to maybe face some things about myself that I don't like. But we press on. I come to a scripture that when it comes to following the actual, how do you do it? I found to be helpful and a lot of other people have found to be helpful too because it seems to have uh, shown up in the different places in the Bible and certainly in some commentaries and some notes. Uh, they would refer to, the, to this scripture because you know, Jesus is in heaven. We can't really follow him. I can't say, oh, I'm going to follow because he's not here. Well, he is here. He's everywhere. He's okay. But I can't see him. So how do I follow? Well, abiding. And let's read about abiding. John 15, 4 to 6, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine... Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and withered. And they gather them and they throw them into the fire and they are burned. Ooh. Okay, so a branch, I can't say, okay, I'm a branch, I'm going to abide and then I'm not going to abide. I'm going to abide. Well, I don't feel like abiding. And I do this, or at least that's been my life history. I'm a compartmentalizer, so it would be easy for me to start my day, you know, read the Bible, pray a little bit, and then I'm going to go to work. And I'm doing work, and I'm solving problems, and I've got conflict because there, somebody needs glue, and we're not in agreement on how best to handle it. And, and I can't really do anything. I get help from other people. And um, um, somebody says something that I don't like so about me, to me, in front of other people. And 
I'm not handling that well. And then maybe later on I go home and, and maybe, maybe I have a daughter who's cranky, okay? Of course, I'm cranky too, and that's not a good combination. And then I get to the end of my day and maybe I might remember to pray or something or read or something, or maybe I wouldn't. And for a long time, that was my life history. And I'm not saying that that's a... If there's somebody here who says, well, that's my life, take heart. It doesn't have to be. (laughs) And that God loves you and me the same. Um, Actually, let me segue from that. Um, Because uh, one of the things I do is is at church, and actually the the, the, the largest one, I think, and the reason why you don't see me upstairs usually except for Wednesday nights, is the children downstairs. And a couple weeks ago, I I said to the children downstairs, um, what do you have to do for God to love you? And I got a lot of answers. And there were some great answers. Um, Wasn't the answer I was looking for. And I will say this, for the answers that they gave, I felt that um, there there were better answers than many adults could give me about um, what you do for God to love you. And then finally, 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 one of the boys, and he's like a second grader, said, nothing. I said, yes, nothing. And I, later on, I found the, the boy's uh, mother, and I said, whatever you're doing at home, keep doing it. And then I came home, and I actually asked my daughter, Tabitha. I said, uh, so Tabitha, what do you have to do for God to love you? And she said, nothing. I said, yes. So that's, that's my segue back to that, and now we go back into abiding, okay? Um, God, loved, um, God loves me first. I want to follow Jesus. I want to abide. I, I compartmentalize, so it's, it's easy for me to have my sort of Christian thing over here, and then I kind of forget about it in my day. And I believe what God's calling me to do is to actually, sometimes I'm going to need to maybe at lunchtime go and read some scripture. Sometimes... I'm going to have to go up and maybe pray for a couple minutes. doesn't have to be a long prayer, maybe to redirect. Maybe if I've got a situation happening that I'm working on, I have to stop and say, okay, Lord, I'm dealing with this. Help me to get through it. I certainly pray that the customer gets their glue, but help me to, to, to honor you in what I say and do. And, 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 even if, and not to give myself the right to say something um, I shouldn't say or to say something in the wrong spirit. So that's my takeaway there. And that when I'm home, that I'm being gentle with my wife and my daughters because I'm not good at being gentle with my wife and my daughters. And I think that um, they know that. But they also know that I know that and that it's not a good thing and I'm working on it. And that's what I'm working on. I think everybody has things in their life that you know about that you're working on. So abiding will help because I'm bringing God through my entire day and I'm also recognizing my need to trust him as I deal with these challenges. So I'm a branch. And there I am. Okay. And finally, John 14, 16 to 17, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Later on in that chapter, 
in verses 25 and 26. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So those are things I'm actually going to talk about. That's part two, the, the walking in the Spirit part. And it's going to be its own part. But the, this part was the following Jesus part where I've trailed through some of the scriptures where people were following Jesus and why and about some of the discussions people had about following Jesus to see what I could take away from that. And then homing in on some of the scriptures that are most related to, uh, that at least in the Gospels, that are most related to actually following Jesus to sort of give me a foundation for what I'm doing this year. And I did feel that I'm able to do that. And, and I hope and I pray that in doing this, that I'm going to be um, a better follower of Jesus through God's grace. Because if I try to do it on my own, it's not going to work. But that will make me a better um, friend, um, a better son to my parents, a better husband, a better father, a better brother, a better servant here in church. So that's what I had to share. And next time, it'll be walking in the Spirit. Would you please join me in prayer? You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.